Turn It On, the Level 42 fan podcast is in no way affiliated with the band. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are solely the speaker's own. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to Turn It On, the Level 42 podcast. We are here in our typical trio from here in the U.S., here to talk the time away with all things Level 42. Mikey Payne, say hello. Hello. The irrepressible Winston M. Walker of Winman with many faces and many names. Please say hello. Oh, that was amazing. Hello, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Bob Consonite, also saying hello to all the Level 42 fans out there, past, current, and future from all over the world. We appreciate you being here. So, Mikey and Winston, before we get to our special guest today, uh, mm. I know we've had some loose. I know we've had some loose discussion about today's episode, uh, but I'm going to call an audio on two matters. Uh, audible, I should say. We're going to call an audible on two matters. Okay. Uh, one is uh, we're recording to this today is Veterans Day here in the U.S. So, as you would both wonderfully serve their country, I would like to very heartfully thank you for your service, and thanks for being fine, upstanding young gentlemen. Well, thank you very much, Bob. You're That's welcome. really kind of you. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. And two, uh, I'm going to put you both on the spot as this is the Level 42 <laughs> podcast. What is the Level 42 song of the week that you either listened to or somehow in- invaded your cranium throughout the ether and never left this week? And if you don't know, I'll go with mine first and you guys can think about it. Uh, follow me off physical presence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why? Did you uh, hear it or did you just come in? Uh, no, listen to it twice this week and blasted it and uh, a, f- a song that was far underrated, in my opinion. Uh, hey, you know what I was amazing me about that song, Mike, is the well, the keyboard playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Glendup is doing about 12 different things at once in that song, uh, all different time signatures, too, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and it, it, it's sort of interesting because that that's one of the last singles that they kind of created right before they something about you kind of hit it. So it was kind of a interesting transition song from the old to the new in that one for me. Yeah. Very, very good point. I forgot that was the last single before they broke big, really. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Winston? Uh, Because I had a birthday recently, turn it on. Happy birthday. Because I was looking for, (laughs) thank you. I was looking for some old, well, I was looking through some pictures on my computer and I found, um, a photo and one of the photos had the, the star child single that had turned it on on the flip side and that turn it on was really the song that made me search out other stuff by the band even though star child was the first song that i heard so right. so i've been that's been running around in my brain the last week or so and it has it nothing to do with that this is the title of the podcast turn it on either no <laughs> but just that that's the one that did it for me that you know, so <laughs> plug, plug, plug. Yeah, I yeah. thought of that. <laughs> Shameless. For me, it's been Good Man in the Storm, but I, you know that's a lot of people's favorites. But for me, it's the the live version of the uh, Eternity Live. Mm, uh, yes, I yes. just the, I love the intro of that song, and uh, you know it's a song that I'm sure we'll have further conversations on as we go forward with the podcast. But 
It's just one that they, for so many years, never played live. I think that's one of those tunes, Bob, that almost every fan loves. I, I've never heard anyone say anything negative about that that song in particular. Yeah, I think that, that probably totally song unites everybody. <laughs> yeah, and there's something, I was going to say a bad pun, and I didn't mean, there's something about it. I just, you know, there's just, there's some poignancy to that song that uh, kind of resonates with everybody. Um, so that's where we are. That's those are the songs running through the level 42 brain this week from us here at Turn It On. Uh, and I think now it's time to introduce our very special guest. Yeah, <laughs> this gentleman has attended, he has attended 72 level 42 concerts over the past 40, 42 years in five different countries, including some of the band's very first gigs. So if there's anyone who could serve as the level 42 encyclopedia, it is encyclopedia it is this person and uh, for our younger listeners uh, an encyclopedia is a set of books that provides information on many subjects <laughs> often arranged alphabetically uh so here to tell us about every single song at every single concert he went to is mr julian hall julian thanks so much for being here hello welcome oh hello from sunny Hornchurch in essex england nice to join you Beautiful. guys Nice Beautiful. to see you. Hey, welcome, Julian. All right, Julian, so, thanks so much for being here. Uh, before we get started on kind of the uh, Level 42 shows of the past, I understand you have been to one show or maybe maybe more than one uh, on the current Living It Up tour. Uh, what can you tell us about it and where were you? Okay, originally I was just going to go to one, uh, which was Cliff's Pavilion in South End. I've probably seen them there, I don't know, five, maybe six times at that actual gig. Um, Mark always sort of regards that e end of the world as being a real, so not just for me and, and the Havering Funk Force, but, uh, you know, Essex was pretty big into the jazz funk and soul scene um, back in the early 80s. And he's always sort of regarded it as an area that he likes coming back to. Uh, in fact, at Cliffs, he actually gave the Havering Funk Force a, a shout out in between two of the tracks, which after 42 years to still get a bit of recognition is absolutely awesome in my book. Um, That's yeah, amazing. Really, it really was that he mentioned us. Um, I was, I succumbed to Mark's great salesmanship though, because um, I'd been following obviously all of the group in um, Ultimate 42 and everybody kept saying, he's not saying see you in two years. And he's tugging <laughs> his, his um, sh shirt on his, next to his heart going, I love you all, you're fantastic, look after yourselves. So, and I, <laughs> I was convinced when he didn't say anything at Cliss Pavilion that they were going to stop the um, end of the big, big tours. I, I, I didn't, you know, I thought they'd still do um, the festivals and maybe like, the one a couple of years ago was only only five five or seven nights, I, but I didn't think. To be fair, also I, I'm, I'm I, I kind of thought Mark's voice. I don't know if he can hang, you know, can take doing sort of thirty gigs in, in two months. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I was dead convinced that this was going to be the end of the big gig. So I got myself and my wife two tickets to go to Hammersmith. But boy, am I pleased I went. Um, when I when I did. Uh, uh, Cliffs and uh, Royal Albert Hall were in the last tour. For me, I, I, it, it's get, I always get down the front at Cliffs and at um, Royal Albert Hall, and I did this at the same um, at Hammersmith Apollo, uh, this gig. I actually sit, and, and so I get a completely different view. 
one right up the front, obviously getting great footage from the YouTube followers. And, um, and the other one is more taking in the light show and particularly watching the uh, horn section because they always dance about. And obviously most people are focusing on Mark or Mike or even Pete because of his, his drumming skills. You see them in the background, whereas when you're actually up in, up in the seats, you really, you do, you, you, you notice them more. And they do have great fun they you know they're moving from side to side you know they're, jo they're joking with each other and and i said so for me both those gigs had different things to see but the ultimate thing for in um at, at um south end mark didn't do a particularly long solo in love games whereas at uh, apollo hammersmith apollo oh my god the um solo with him and the interaction with pete it was worth every penny of the ticket just for those four or five minutes in my opinion. fantastic that is great Fant awesome i've i've seen some of those solos and i'm really really jealous because th that's pretty amazing stuff he seemed mark seems to be really throwing himself in the bass solo this tour than he has the the previous tours definitely and i think um from what i've seen obviously we, we haven't been to them but uh you know, he's made it as part of the song Love Games, right? Um, and uh, it's an, definitely an unusual approach versus the kind of cut off bass solo. It's in the middle of a song and one of their biggest songs. So pretty cool stuff. Yeah, as I said, I, I totally enjoyed uh, it, it, it at Hammersmith. And um, I, I, there was various comments again in Ultimate 42 about how everybody was going on about Love Games prior to me going to South End. So if anything, I was slightly disappointed he didn't go into it there. Um, but <laughs> as I said, having had having gone gone to a second concert now um, in this particular tour, um, yeah, it was definitely worthwhile to see that difference. And you know, I mean, I bumped into Lisa Devlin, um, Sue Dioska, many many others, uh, Raymond Pursued, who had you know gone well. Certainly, Sue and Lisa had gone to five, six different concerts. And I remember back in the early, I think it was '81, I went to three concerts in one week. And I was on my local radio station about two years ago. And they said, well, why'd you do it? Because surely you're going to see the same set and the same songs. And I said, you're right. But in my three going back in 81, on the way to uh, University of East Anglia, we couldn't, we, we lost our way to where it was. And we stopped, stopped and asked this uh, North, a guy from Norfolk, you know, how do you, how, where is the University of East Anglia? And he went, well, you go round that roundabout down the road, <laughs> and it, it, that <laughs> is, I actually remember more about this guy. <laughs> He's very <laughs> North Broad accent than the actual gig itself. Right. Uh, at Ipswich, which was, I think, either the next day or the day before, um, we arrived late, and I managed to push my way down to the front. I think Mark had just finished the third song. He saw me and went, Jules, you're late tonight. So that's what I remember that gig from. Uh, <laughs> Hammersmith was where um, Mark, I, we went backstage prior to the gig, and I, that's when I swapped T-shirts with Mark and got his, his Level 42 T-shirt. We presented him with a Havering Funk Force T-shirt, and he wore it on stage for the whole gig. Now, I've got to tell you, that's how, unreal. Many, how many um, superstars, if you like, would wear one of their fans' T-shirts on stage <laughs> for a whole concert? The one thing I wanted to ask Julian is, you know, when you go to gigs today and, you know, you've got 42 years of, um, you know, experience, uh, do you 
kind of go back to those days in your mind when you're at the shows now? Uh, like, do you, are there constants that you're reminded of back then that happened still today? No, because obviously the fact that um, you've now got that brass section. So today, you know, from however long they've now been, I think they've all been together now since, is it about 2012, if I remember rightly? So they've been, they, as the format now, I think it's been going, well, certainly with Sean Freeman anyway, um, and then obviously Dan and Nicole joining. So I know it's a different concept because of the extra people involved, it, it, you know, taking away the fact that obviously Boone and Phil aren't there. Um, I know it's a different concert. It's level 42 and they're going to do the songs that particularly in, in this tour just gone. I was so pleased to see, you know, Love Meeting Love and, and, and tracks like Almost There, you know, those tracks. Yeah, I suppose that question you're asking me, what, is it as good as see, seeing those tracks? Um, well, Obviously, back then, the band was so raw, so raw. You know, it, it is a more polished um, presentation, if you like, now, because that's the way things have gone. Sounds, you know, the sound systems are obviously a lot better. Um, you know, when I first met them, you know, they were four guys, three, three of them from the Isle of Wight, that were beginning to sort of tour around places and everything was new to them. And But, but what made me start following them was the pure... Um, exhilaration, I suppose, is a really good word. You know, you were standing there and you just saw these guys giving 120%. To, to, yeah. Even though the first gig I went to, I would say there was 80 people in the crowd. They still gave it everything that they had. Um, and I think there was either eight or ten of us, the Havering Funkfuls. And essentially what happened was that they stopped, they finished... Um, uh, the gig and I asked one of the stagehands do you mind if we go back you know can you just ask them if we can come and say hello to them when we got backstage it was them asking us about us <laughs> and not us asking about them you know mm. Mike, Mike, Mike Boone Phil they were like oh my god if you guys hadn't come to this gig tonight it would have been so boring you know where, what, what's all this havering funk force last and essentially all it was was I lived in Hornchurch one of my mates lived in Harold Hill and another one lived in Upminster, but we were all within that borough of Havering. So we'd put, we just decided to call ourselves the Havering Funk Force. We all had black t-shirts with, you know, a Havering Funk Force on the back and our names on the front. Um, and they were like, well, what's all this thing? And, you know, that's basically where it all began. You know, that they were so interested in, in what, who we were and what we were doing. Yeah, that doesn't happen every day, for sure. No. <laughs> awesome. You kind of just said it. But I wanted to, to see if you could describe what the vibe was um, in the early gigs. You know, how did the band sound? You said they were really raw. You know, what was what was the reaction of the crowd and and who back in Britain's 1981, who would have gone and seen Level 42? Right. Well, I mean, as, as I said, we were heavily into jazz, funk, and soul. We used to go to what's called the Case, Case to Soul weekend. So essentially, Level 42 didn't really you know if, if you're looking at sort of like shack attack if you like which i know that they did play on one bill together i think that was at hammersmith Palais or something like that um light of the world you know groups like that um technically they were not i can't call it jazz funk but they because of mark's bass that they almost had their own little niche if you like but every band every 
every DJ or whatever still sort of banded them as jazz funk and soul. Um, right. So I think you got, yeah, you got the people that possibly weren't weren't hundred percent into being, you know, every everything being jazz funk and soul coming to these gigs because they were slightly outside of that. Um, you know, I mean, certainly wouldn't to say a rock band, but because of you know Boone's guitar playing, um, the bass going, they were um, yeah well, technically of their own niche in my opinion. And this, the fan club um, or, or those fans that turned up in those days was look. They I think they were just pleased to see something slightly off off the charts of what everybody else was doing. More original, in a yes. sense. Yes, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and you also just said you know you were really I can't imagine it would have been amazing. You were really fortunate to meet Mark, uh, Mike, Phil, and Boone. Um, I was just curious, what were your initial impressions of them? You know, when you interacted with them, and did you really think that Level Forty Two then would make it? You know, quote make it big. Probably not at the time, um, because as I said, they had this slight niche niche element of what they were doing at the time, but obviously. As the years went on, you know, you, when you start going to living it up, lessons in love, obviously they're different from in what they started as, and that's p potentially why the fallout happened with Phil, because he didn't want them to become a slightly more commercial band. Um, but obviously Mark was <laughs> technically already sort of, you know, taking the helm, if you like, right. um, again, in my opinion. Um, yeah. And of course, particularly when uh, uh, Paul Crockford got involved, it was all about taking them into the charts and making making them, um, you know, a much more followed band. So as I said the earlier days there was there was a yeah definitely a, a, di a slightly different crowd from when when the, the, everything started hitting, um, you know, when they were selling out Wem Wembley to what is it ten thousand people. You know, as I said, yeah. my first gig was 80. <laughs> right. Wow. Julian, like you're talking about, you're, you're there for kind of the the uh, the transition of the band going from kind of small clubs to big, to big uh, arenas and things like that. Both for you personally and your crowd when you started, did, was there a sense of, oh my gosh, we're, we're losing these guys a little bit. They're going to become a huge band. Uh, they're, we're not going to have them to ourselves anymore. Was that uh, a part of, the thinking going on during that time? No, two things about that. And this is, this makes me feel fantastic still. If I see Mike, I saw in, funny enough, both both gigs, I happened to see him. You know, he still says, hi, Julian, how are you? There is no difference for, for my relationship personally with right. anyone in the band right. than it was in 1981. You know, uh, I know... I was going to say not 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 really personally. I'm just talking about the musical direction. Um, was you know, was there any kind of feeling from the the hardcore who had been there at the beginning that uh, we're going to lose these guys? It's not going to be the same, I guess. There's possibly some fans that that may um, may have drifted off when when they started to go more commercial. I'd got to such a point that if they um, chucked out Nelly the Elephant with a bass, a bass line <laughs> to it, I would have still gone and bought, bought the single and bought the 12-inch and then bought the picture disc. Right. 
because I was so immersed in the band now. So right. it didn't, it, it, yeah, it got to a point where it kind of didn't matter what they produced. I was, I was, you know, in, in, for, you know, I was in for everything. <laughs> so for me personally, it didn't really matter anymore. That's great. Um, That's great. You know. <laughs> yeah, I had a question and I had to put on my headphones, so I might have missed something. Um, I'm curious, what was the first song that you heard by the band or did you see them live at a, at a show and then get into the band? Right. Well, how this all started was around January or February 81. I walked into my sister's bedroom and she was playing a 12 inch that had a blue and yellow um, <laughs> label in the middle. And I walked in and I said, oh, bloody, who's this? I really like this. And uh, she said, oh, it's a new band called Level 42. And about six weeks later, I happened to be looking through the Ilford recorder and spotted a really small advert that said Level 42 were playing at Redbridge Tech. So my, oh, so essentially, my sister is actually to blame <laughs> for, the, for the 71 gigs and the 42 years later. Um, but yeah, I sort of go So I was that song. Sorry. What was the song that she was playing? Love Meeting Love. Oh, awesome. That was the blue and yellow, right? Julian? Yeah, that was on Elite Records. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. So, that, that's, so it was actually her, and then fate took its hand. I happened to spot this very small advert. I thought, oh, yeah, that's that band I, I liked when, you know, when I walked into my sister's bedroom. And essentially, that is right. the start, start of it all. You know what's amazing, Julian, is you hear that song, and you know it's a, that's a fair it's a ballad really love meeting love that's the first your that's your first introduction to them and then you go to see them for the first time maybe with no preconceived notions and properly have your face melted off by these guys playing 100 miles an hour you know i wonder if it was a big surprise if you even remember your first reaction to them playing well as i said i can I, all i can remember is is us 10 or 8 or 10 of us all sort of jumping up and down and giving a bit of whoa, whoa, whoa. And I think, as I said, that's what also made us sort of stick out from these 80 odd people. You know, right. we, we were 10% of the audience and we, the others were at the back of the hall drinking 50p pints because it was a, <laughs> you know, it was a, it's not even a uni. I mean, it's a te technical college. It's not a university. Right. Um, and I said, we're up the front, you know, responding to them. And I think, as I said, that's that's what why I think they were so pleased when we went backstage to chat to us because we'd fed off their energy, but we'd yeah. given it back to them. <laughs> yep. No, that's great. That is it's amazing stuff. Yeah, I didn't get to hear that song until years later. Yeah. You know, I for me it was Star Child. Maybe a year later I flip it over and hear turn it on, and that's and then I go, ooh, I gotta find the album. And I didn't, you know, the first album I found was The Pursuit of Accidents. And then at that point, I was like, oh, I'm getting everything I can find. And that's probably when I was able to get uh, Love Meeting Love, you know. But that that's an amazing story because I don't know if I've ever had an experience of seeing a band that I love that early in their career. You right. know, they were pretty much, when I went to concerts as a kid, pretty much just established bands who had had a few releases, maybe a few albums, you know, big, big on the radio here in America or the New York area where I grew up. 
So that that's pretty amazing. Well, um, funny enough, I, I, at um, Cliffs, I stood next to a guy called Dave Redden, who um, was a member of the Haven Crunk Force. And um, he seems to think that when we saw them at um, 06 in Southend in, at the end of 81, again, when we were backstage, they were showing us an al either an album cover or a 12-inch cover. And they, it was I think it was actually the Lady Logo that they were, and we, we sort of said, oh, no, the one with the Lady Logo. Um, you know, whether, whether we had any influence on it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, you know, it, it was that early, you know, that, as I said, they were, hadn't even sort of got to that stage, I think, of, of um, you know, putting everything together. And I said, I, I personally don't, don't recall that, but I said, Dave reminded me, and he was, he's adamant about it when we met, when I saw him at South End, that they were showing us, you know, like an album cover or a 12 inch cover and saying, you know, which one do you think is going to be better? Um, but I said, I, I, to be honest, I couldn't remember uh, which, which song it was. Right. You know, it's amazing, Julian. I, I was thinking that you've um, you've been one of the few people who have seen like songs like uh, Nothing More to Say Live. You know, these are things that we only have through the miracle of uh, cassette tape, I feel like. Um, you don't recall like a song like sticking out that you no longer hear do you do you actually remember nothing more to say being played no no i can remember i, I well to, I, and i will uh, give mike a plug here because obviously his youtube channel throws out all of these um early gigs in their entirety um you know so mike thanks right. for what you do on on your youtube channel absolutely for, for promoting promoting the band and, and but you you again take take me in particular back to some of the gigs that I, I was at and I'm you know I'm and again I, I will just go back to that word pure energy because because that's what it was it was it was you know yeah it, they were just enjoying themselves so we were enjoying ourselves in the audience as simple as that amazing I uh, gotta ask you Julian what's your favorite album Hmm. <laughs> well, probably the early tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite tune. Hmm. <laughs> um. Fun enough. Well, it's definitely Love Games, hundred percent. Um. Purely because f for them, also it was now a, a turning point. Um. For them, uh, also. We always, you, when Mark goes, as I watched your face, we would always go, whoa. And <laughs> Mike, you've, you've listed um, the Woolwich show from, that was obviously recorded for um, Pursuit of Accidents, but I've listened to the whole thing. And if you live, listen to that in Love Games, you can hear us going, whoa, when, when it's <laughs> And uh, likewise, I think, what was it? So it was the coronet at Woolwich, wasn't it? And then, uh, yeah, the yeah, Reading. yeah, Reading. I think I've even heard us on, on that one as well, but only when you you uploaded the whole whole of the gigs. You should have gotten yeah. credit for that, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the physical presence shows, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, that uh, was my first live, besides like a dodgy bootleg cassette I bought through record collector magazine oh yeah i got that album and i was just you know that was the first true live experience other than you know the odd b-side live track that they threw out but just to hear a, a, a full gig 
in really good quality. That that just blew me away. I got to ask Julian. Uh, I'm sorry to trip over the mic. Um, oh, you're fine. Go ahead. Um, was there a favorite show of yours? Maybe Mike was actually going to ask this, uh, and maybe uh, a least favorite. Hmm. Blimey. Um, <laughs> right. Well, there's not a least favorite uh, because they've all been brilliant. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, well, it has to be the Hammersmith. Uh, you know, at the end of 81, where, where I'm watching the guy and I've got photos of Mark King when he turns his back with A-ring funk balls on the back of his T-shirt. So that has nice. to be, for, not just for me, but for the other guys in, in you know, in our tribe, um, that's got, you know, it has to be the biggest memory for all of us, you know. Um, he's standing there playing his bass guitar wearing A-ring funk balls T-shirt. <laughs> that is incredible. That is really incredible. So I, I just want to drill down on something. So you hear this record in your sister's bedroom. You find this gig listed. And that first gig you go to, you guys had already organized your funk force? Yes, funny enough, that only started two months before that, um, about February 81. Um, so we'd only just got our T-shirts printed, near enough, probably a couple of weeks before the gig. Um, <laughs> So essentially all, all that happened was if you went to, um, let's say, um, well, we, when we used to go to Zero Six, we'd all be wearing our T-shirts. But if you went to the Case to Soul weekends, there was loads of people with with different posses. Um, I think the um, Brixton Frontline, I think, was one of the biggest. The, uh, I think there was Funkmaster Generals. You know, there was th these these were much bigger true, uh, true uh, posses than us. Wow. Um, because we, we at our peak, I think, had about 26 members, whereas these other ones, the Funk Bars, you were probably talking 50 to 60 people, you know, and to walk into to, um, a big auditorium where there's all these tribes with their different T-shirts, different banners, but the thing is, like everything with music, we were all one. Right. As, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I walked into a West Ham uh, auditorium wearing an Everton shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to do that. Definitely don't want to do that. You know, I, 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 <laughs> you know, we all had our own tribes, but we were there for the music and we'd all, you know, embrace each other and, you know, chat to it. It was just a family. The, uh, Chris Hill used to call us the family. Um, and exa that's exactly how it was going to these bigger uh, um soul weekends and whatnot everybody was happy just to chat to each other a bit like you know the gigs for me now i, I get to mo I, to be fair i didn't get to um hammersmith until about 7 30 but um no it's maybe it's about 6 30 uh, but certainly at south end i get there about four because there's a whole load of people uh, andy and sue jackson i said sue diaska i mentioned her earlier yes. uh, jackie lawrence there's a whole load of us that meet up sit down and talk level 42 stuff <laughs> Yeah, that's, yes. yeah, that's a lot yeah. of the fun, fun of it too. It's like, yeah, you're going to experience the band, but you get to catch up with a lot of old friends that you've met over the years. So that's a big part of it. Well, yeah, and we're, ta <laughs> we're talking years now too, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But the, the, well, the one thing I found at um, Hammersmith was because I was sitting upstairs, I got myself quite a good viewpoint um, in my, where I was sort of viewing from uh, was I had there was in between 
two aisles, if you like. So I had a nice view down. But what I've discovered is bearing in mind the average age of the level 42 audience is between 55 and 60, probably. They can't sit for an hour and a half without going to the toilet anymore. <laughs> um, I've already posted a couple of clips. Clip, uh, clips. I did actually uh, start a second YouTube channel uh, called Original Soul Boy, and I've put two clips on there where they end after about a minute and a half because somebody walked straight in front of the camera, and all I've got is this silhouette of this person <laughs> rather than seeing anything of the band. <laughs> <laughs> the music that's that's hilarious yeah that would that would be me like i would have to no point pints before the gig because i don't want to have to get up yeah there's nothing wrong with a diaper fellas you could just bring it <laughs> I, I just wanted to ask julian um had you gone to the um the mike linda uh show that he did at spiritland king cross Yes. So again, that was really nice. I think uh, there was about 75 people. That's that's all. Right. Um, I will tell you something funny that happened to me in a minute. But um, what a result. The fact that Mark was there as well. Yeah. Um, he, he was quite good in the respect that he stood at the back and he actually left before Mike finished so that mm. obviously everybody would then speak to Mike and not carry on going over to Mark at the end, which I yeah. thought was quite respectful, actually. Yeah, fair play. Um, but I've got to tell you, so Omar is obviously on one of the tracks with um, um, Mike, Mike, and um, I thought, oh, okay, I've never spoken to this bloke before, I'll, I'll go over. And I know he does. Um, he's done a remix of uh, Living It Up, and to be fair, right. I actually quite, quite like the remix. So I go over and I said, oh, my name's Julian. I just wanted to say I really like your remix of Living It Up. And I said, oh, how, how does this happen? Who calls who? You know, you know, <laughs> how, how do you get to do these things? And he, he started to talk to me and he told me about this and that. And then I said, um, oh, I listened to your show on um, Magic Soul as well. And he looked at me. He went, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, boy. <laughs> this conversation's ended and luckily somebody, else <laughs> now, luckily somebody else was standing next to me who then sort of butt in and started so i just wandered off anyway when i got home that night i looked up djs in um in uh, magic soul and it's lamar <laughs> Mm. Oh, okay. <laughs> common, common misconception, Julian. Common misconception. <laughs> so, uh, I am going to see Mike at um, uh, Jazz Cafe on uh, December the sixteenth, and I noticed Great. there was quite a few people a bunch in at um, Hammersmith Apollo that I know are going to see that as well. Yeah. Um, so, again, this time, I, I whether I speak to Omar again, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I bet he remembers you now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, he'll be, he'll be looking at me going, "Oh, it's that twat again." <laughs> he'll put on a he'll put on a name tag. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, if you could select any song that's never been played live before, what track would it be? I'm really curious to hear your your uh, choice. Gosh. Uh, the problem is uh, there was a bit of a discussion about whether something had been played or not. Uh, you're asking me a question without looking back, this <laughs> going back and finding out which ones haven't been. Um, that book, I can't remember the chap's name that, that listed every near enough every song. Um, that was quite interesting, to be fair. And I, obviously, I, 
um, I wish I'd prepared myself. Um, it said there was a guy that produced a book um, about a year and a half ago uh, that, that listed every song and gave you the sort of background of when it was played and That's everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes, it's uh, on track. On track. Uh, on, on track. Uh, level 42, every album, every song by Matt Phillips. That's the yeah. one. Yes, yes. Now, to be fair, I actually went fishing uh, one afternoon and pretty much ploughed my way through that. Um, and, and again, found that quite, quite, quite interesting. Uh, but I, I can't, the problem is you're asking me a question. I'd need to actually go back and find out which songs hadn't been played live uh, to answer the question. I always that as a follow up then this one you probably will know what song do you won't care if you don't ever hear it again live well I suppose Rocket <laughs> <laughs> I like Rocket I don't know I I, I don't know I, I I don't know why there's so much um, uh, there's a lot of people who feel that way Julian and I, I actually I actually kind of like that song I'm in the minority on that I think you are at least here you are. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest. I was at that Reading gig that they recorded for the DVD. I was never a fan of uh, Sunbed Song ah. on the record. Never cared for it. I mean, didn't, didn't dislike it, but not a track I would skip, but not one that I would ever put the record on to hear specifically. But when they played it live, I fell in love with it. So you, ne you never know what you're going to, you know, because that's a case for me of a song that I didn't really care for. But when I heard it live, I'm like, ooh, they really, they really did this one great. And no, now I, I, I like it. So I love that yeah. song. I actually do, do like that song. And I actually, funny enough, from that concert, I actually like that version that I've heard. Um, very annoying that the... Um, security again told everybody I wasn't at that gig and I would have been bloody annoyed if I had because I you know going to a level 42 concert you want to get up you want to get up and dance and, and sing exactly exactly I, I would just say this about that show um I remember going into it it was kind of a kind of seemed like a sort of a church vibe as far as the venue the way it looked in the inside I sat almost in the in the last row not a big venue, mm. but I noticed that the audience was a lot older than me. Mm -hmm. um, wow. So I didn't get the impression. That, and it was all seats. You know, there wasn't an area to stand up. But I do remember there were not a ton of people attempting to stand up and being told to sit down. Mm. You know, maybe like a row and a half of people. So I, I kind of get amused when people you know whenever that comes up they're like oh you know the, the security yeah it wasn't like there were 60 people trying to stand up and dance it was like maybe 20 people and you know but i i didn't get the impression that these older folks and they were you know i'm 60 now i was not 60 then obviously right so what i didn't get the impression they were going to be up and dancing and partying and the and obviously with it out with with it not being a having an area right in front of the stage where people could could do that it's probably like hey you're blocking the the view of all these old people who can't stand up <laughs> so but i i get it you know but i i just i enjoyed that show so much so it didn't bother me that people weren't able to dance but i wasn't a guy that was gonna was at the front that i would have that opportunity anyway 
Well, they probably shouldn't have given communion in the middle of that show either. Like, <laughs> well, that, that was good because we, the old folks needed a break. So right, right, right. Hey, Julian, just kind of looking forward for you. What, what? Do you have any goals? I mean, there's just something you haven't done in terms of seeing the band, or a venue you haven't seen. Um, uh, do you want to get to a hundred shows? What's your What's your end game here? Right. Um, well, certainly the Paradiso. Every time Keith Riley goes, he, he again queues at God knows what time to get to the front. But the Paradiso, right. unlike, unlike a lot of um, gigs, that like South, even at South End, although I was at the front, they they put a barrier, so there is this gap that a photographer can walk backwards and forwards, and you know, security or whatever can get yeah. to anybody. Whereas Paradiso, certainly from what Keith sent me pictures of, he, he's he's looking up Mark's nostrils. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's, he's 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 so close to to the action so paradiso would definitely be something um i'd like uh, yeah i'd definitely like to get there i mean my i went to utrecht in april 1982 um and funny enough um i was actually mentioned in the fan club letter for making the journey over <laughs> which was very very nice um I met both Rhea and Pia, actually, uh, wow. at that gig. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow, you said, I was thinking, you said Utrecht, I'm thinking 90s, but like 82, wow, yeah. That's, That's amazing. That is, I, I think um, when I saw them in California when the, during their last tour, one of the shows, the Belly Up gig, was the stage was maybe a foot off the ground and we were right up against the stage. So anyone oh, could have cool. literally just jumped on the stage. So I have pictures of that. And it's like, you know, I could reach out and touch, you know, uh, Nathan or Sean, you know, that's how close you were. That was a, was a great experience. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that's awesome. Wow, you were traveling to other countries that early in the, in the career of the band. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, I said obviously, you know, this this relationship was 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 forming, um, where as I said, pretty much I said whatever they played, I'd it'd be there. And uh, funny enough, all that happened because I'd been again back to my sister. She lived in the south of France for an entire summer uh, in '81, and um, I met a Dutch guy called Ronald who was a level forty-two fan already. Um, and um, he said, do you want to come over to, to see them in Utrecht? And uh, he lived in Rotterdam um, and put me up for a couple of nights. So, you know, again, wow. the camaraderie of the level 42 fans was evident going back 41, 40 years or 41 yeah. years, let alone what it's like nowadays. Julian, I've got a trivia question for you. See if you can see if you know this. What cover song did level 42 play? at their debut gig in 1981? Mm. That's a great question, Mike. Hmm. Right, well, I know they throw in a, a Cream song, don't they, quite often in, in the middle of Almost There and, and a couple other songs. So, because I know they were very influenced by Cream. Um, I'd have to go with Cream. I, I have a guess. Yeah, go on, Bob. Was it? Uh, Haunted House, Lee Oscar. The, exactly, Haunted House, Lee Oscar. Yes. Wow, pretty cool. Yeah. So I was just curious if you heard that in one of the early shows, Julian. Uh, uh, Haunted House by uh, Lee Oscar. I don't recall it. I. Uh, 
And the last thing I wanted to ask you, Julian, is uh, what, you know, considering the last 41, 42, 43 years, um, what has level 42 meant to you? Well, believe me, when I went to the Redbridge Technical College, I never thought I'd be talking to people in America <laughs> on a, on a pod, podcast 42, 42, and a half years, 42 and a half years later. Right. Um, Travelled to uh, Holland, Germany, uh, Belgium, and I said the gig in um, Miami was pure fluke. Um, I happened to be driving down the freeway just outside Miami and I saw a big billboard because I'd been abroad. I, I lived in Spain and Tenerife for most of 80, half of 85, all of 86 and half of 87. Um, so technically, I, yeah, I, I'd stopped, you know, getting, receiving fan club letters and um, went, went AWOL a little, little bit. Um, but said driving down this freeway, there was a big billboard saying Tina Turner uh, playing at the Miami Bowl, I think it was, and down below in smaller letters, supported by Level Forty Two. Yep. <laughs> oh. so I, managed, I managed to get um, two tickets. Um, uh, well, no, I, I was on my own actually. I managed to get a ticket on my own. Um, but um, one of their stagehands called Dave, I recognised him, went up and I said, hey, Dave, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. He said, oh, do you want to come and say hello to them? <laughs> so, so I was actually backstage with Mark and Mike as Tina Turner went on stage. <laughs> wow. Hey, was this, uh, was this what, November of 86, 87? 87, November 87. I think it's November the 8th off the top of my head, yeah. I, I was going to say that November because I remember hearing, I, I can't remember if I read it or if I heard it in an interview, but uh, Level 42 actually had Thanksgiving in America with Tina Turner. Ah, okay, right. Yes. I, I would imagine they were shocked to see you just show up. Yeah, really? <laughs> Who's this guy? Well, no. uh, I think it's, it's bloody hell not him. We can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if they've ever said, hey, 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 Julian, maybe you need a hobby or something. Has any one of the band members said that, anything like that to you? Right. On one of my, it's either an album cover or um, a 12-inch, I think Mark's put, leave us alone. That's great. <laughs> that is great. Well, on that note, um, we're, we're thankful you've been to all those shows, Julian, because it's, it's great to have a resource. Um, you know, both to just talk to and, and stuff that you've written and, and posted uh, on YouTube uh, that we can all go back and, and reflect on. It's awesome that it's there. Um, if anybody wants to go check out uh, Julian uh, Hall's YouTube page, I believe it's Julian Hall, at Julian Hall, level 42, all, all one word, no spaces. Uh, Julian, thank you so much for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, this was great. Uh, thank, thank you very thank much. You very much. Just in relation to, to the YouTube thing, um, again, as far as I'm concerned, I now, a little bit like Mike posting so many things on his, I, I just feel I've almost got a duty now because, again, certainly people, I mean, Paul Nyman lives in the States, um, Sean Reed lives in Australia, right. and I know these guys almost rely on me because they can't come and see the, the bands, you know, live, you know, I, you know, I'll do a blog saying I'm going to such and such a gig and they straight away say, oh, thank you so much because you're, you're particularly obviously being down the front at South End. I'm, I'm bringing them a live concert almost, not obviously on the day, 
Yeah. Um, but again, the community through through YouTube and everything, I, I, must, I must admit, I don't need to say this, but I don't actually earn any, like Mike, I don't actually get any money at all for doing it. So it's a labor, right. it's definitely a labor of love. Yeah. Um, but, but again, at, at Southend, two people came up to me and said, Julian, thank you so much for what you do uh, on YouTube. Um, and somebody did the same in, I was standing in the queue and somebody shook my hand and said, I watch all your uploads. Just wanted to say thank you for, for keeping us. I've also been told several, several times that certainly my blogs and my stories, they've several people have said that it made them feel closer to the band. Yeah. Oh, awesome. I would agree with that. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, you've had so much interaction with them. Uh, I, I do think you got to give the band a lot of credit too, because they are very accessible and, and for the most part, very friendly. Uh, and you know, it's just it's great that you can uh, talk to any one of these guys, and then if you can put it out there for other folks who may not may not have that opportunity, it's uh, it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Hmm. Uh, well, Julian, thank you again. Uh, really appreciate you being here today, and want to thank everybody who tuned in today. Uh, for Winston Walker, Mikey, the color of my pain. I'm Bob Considine. We are leaving you now, and we will wait till you return. See you next time on Turn It On.